All right, so we're going to continue Revelation. And today, this is actually the longest letter or message from Jesus to one of the churches. And so we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2, starting verse 18. It's going to be the church of Thyatira. And so one of the titles in one of the one of the translations of the Bible that they use for the church of Thyatira is the, um, I think it was, what was it, the corrupt church or it was something along those lines where they kind of, you know, did amazing, where they did amazing kind of in the beginning, but then again, there were also just some people within the church which seems to be a running theme from all the churches so far, except for Sardis, who Jesus did not admonish. Um, but one of the things I put down as a note here, because I thought it was, I thought it, it made a lot of sense to me that as we've been reading through these churches, we're seeing the things that they're doing, the things that they're kind of giving themselves over to. And I think it parallels the church today very well. And that's why Jesus actually used these churches as examples, because there are churches nowadays that are doing absolutely amazing. And there are churches today that are doing not so amazing. They're just kind of saying, well, because of grace, do what you want. You know, once you're saved, you're always saved. But these are things that Jesus admonishes in these churches. And so he actually does do it in this church. And there's some stuff in this one that it's a little harder to explain because like he talks about Jezebel and as of today's writings, we still don't know if he's talking about an actual person or if he's talking about a system, kind of like the world system, but this is like Jezebel system, whatever. <laughs> You know, well, we'll talk more about it in here in a minute, but I'm going to go ahead and read this and uh, after we pray and then we'll, uh, we'll get going. So, dear Lord, we uh, thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you so much that I can be here with my brothers learning your word, Lord. Or would you just open our hearts and minds so that we may know and understand what you have for us today and what you had for uh, the church in Thyatira back then, Lord, or because it's very applicable to our life now. And Lord, you are trying to speak to us. You are telling us something. And Lord, we need to be able to hear it. So help us to have ears to hear in, in lives that conquer and overcome, Lord, as you have called us to do. So, Lord, we thank you so much, and we praise you for everything, Lord, in your name. Amen. So, go ahead and read this. Write to the angel of the church in Thyatira, thus says the Son of God, the one whose eyes are like a fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze. I know your works, your love, your faithfulness, your service and endurance. I know that the last works are greater than the first. But I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Look, I will throw her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great affliction, unless they repent of her works. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches 
will know that I am the one who examines minds and hearts, and I will give to each of you according to your works. I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who haven't known the so-called secrets of Satan, as they say, I am not putting any other burden on you. Only hold to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority over nations, and he will rule them with an iron scepter. He will shatter them like pottery. Just as I have received this from my father, I will also give him the morning star. And let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. So right off the bat, Jesus does exactly what he does every single time. He qualifies his authority over him being able to speak this message to the church. But I think this time he really kicks it up a notch. Like not only does he go back to the description of him that we saw in the first chapter of Revelation, but here he straight says, son of God. Like we don't, we don't really see him ever do that. Like this is the only time in Revelation he straight up says, son of God. And now we've, we've talked about that before, that Jesus does claim to be God. But this is the first time I think that we really actually see him just say, Son of God. And he's like, there's no question here. I am God. I am the Son of God. And my eyes are like flame of fire. And that's a picture of him just being able to pierce, like he said, into mind and heart. He knows everything. You know, he can see everything. He can burn through the crap that we're trying to hide, the walls that we put up, thinking that, ha ha, you can't see the stuff I'm doing. You know? So instead, he's like, I can see through that. My eyes will burn a hole straight through you. You know, and the burnished bronze feet is, is a symbol of being conqueror. He's a conqueror over everything. He can basically smash whatever he wants. Like this is Hulk times a thousand. So just kind of think of him like that, that he is the great conqueror. He is the great I am. He is God. And he can pierce into anything and see us no matter how hard we try to hide. So that's his qualifier for why he can give this message. So now when he talks about their works in the beginning, he is actually describing a lot of the fruits of the spirit here, you know, faithfulness, kindness, endurance. These are things that the spirit gives to us that allows us to be able to do without that. Our endurance is like, you know, our faith can go right out the window. And then without the spirits doing this work, you know, we're going to basically fail and we're going to give into false teaching and doctrine. And, so he's actually giving them this praise and this con this commendation saying, hey, you guys are doing great. And the works that you started with have grown into something far greater. And you're doing better and more works on my behalf. Not so that they can receive salvation, but they are building up treasure in heaven. You know, but they're not doing it so they can get, which we've all talked about, and I think we all understand at this point, that the things that we're doing in Christ isn't so that we can get something from Him. It's so that 
we can show our appreciation towards him and the victory that he's paid for. Um, so now this is where things start to get a little bit tougher to understand and kind of get into. I have been reading stuff all day trying to understand this much better, and I think there's still more that I need to to understand and learn. But, he, you know, the stuff that he has against him is this teaching by this prophetess Jezebel. Now, the fact that he actually calls her a prophetess makes me think that, yes, at the time that he is addressing them, there is actually somebody by the name of Jezebel who is teaching things that are very false. And he's saying that there are some in this church that are allowing her to deceive them. And they're letting this kind of run through. So there are people who are following Jesus with endurance and faith. And then there are those who are like the one people we see today. Like I go to church every Sunday and I pay my tithe. But outside of that, you know, they're living a life completely full of filth, thinking that I go to church, I tithe, I'm good. When that's not, that's not what Jesus says. He doesn't say go to church and tithe and you'll receive the free gift of eternal life because at that point you've actually worked for it. Now, instead, he's saying that, look, you're allowing these people to deceive you. And you're falling into this teaching that this person is teaching you and you're running with it. And this is basically the same type of thing that the other churches were experiencing. Because in the area surrounding them is all about pagan worship. Like Thyatira was founded in the time of Alexander the Great. It was around the time that that area was founded and where once he conquered it, people started to settle. I think it was Alexander the Great. I ha I'm trying to remember if I got that right. If I'm wrong, I apologize. I know it's someone. But they started to worship the sun god, Apollo. You know, so that's kind of why they say that um, John here does, and even Jesus, when he's saying this message to John, why he uses the eyes like flame of fire, because that would make them start to think of, oh, well, the sun god, he's got eyes of fire. Not to mention the different, um, they call them guilds back then. Now we would call them unions. But the guilds back then, like the workers' guilds of that time, they were into worship and pagan worship. Wow, those are really big raindrops. <laughs> Sorry, 880. And, and so he's pointing out that, look, you're falling in. You're allowing sexual immorality to become rampant within the church. You're following this false teaching that it's okay to live in sexual impurity and still think that you can follow me. How many Christians or people who claim to be Christians have you seen or known that live with a boyfriend or girlfriend and aren't married? I've seen it a lot. I've done it, but I see it a lot. And nowadays, we don't even bat an eye at it. We're just like, oh, good for them. 
maybe they'll get married someday. When the reality is, is we should be doing what Jesus does here, calling them out and going, if you claim to follow Jesus, you need to be doing just that. And he says not to live in sexual immorality. And he says that those who practice sexual immorality, their place is in the lake of fire. It's a matter of unrepentance. It's a matter of placing your worship in something else. They're worshiping sex. They're worshiping their significant other. They're putting something in the place of God and living in rebellion to him. And that's what this prophetess is teaching them. It's okay to do this. Exactly. And that's why Jesus says that as they call it, the deep things of Satan. Because this is the teaching of Satan is live for yourself. Be your own God. Like the literal mantra of the satanic church is do what thou wilt. It means do what you want. Because this life is all that matters. And they think that, you know, surprisingly, a lot of the Church of Satan is actually very atheistic. They believe that after this life, there's nothing. Sure, they're worshiping Satan, but they think that afterwards, it's just annihilation. Or if they live in such a way that they'll reach to the point that Satan's at, and they believe him to be deity, and he's not. He still has to have the permission of God to even do anything. Just like with what he did with Job. God had to give him the permission to do that stuff. Because God knew that Job would stand firm in his faith towards him. You know, and these things that Jesus says he's going to do, to these people who are giving themselves over to this and are practicing these things and what he's going to do to this Jezebel. I mean, now this even harkens back to the Jezebel of the Old Testament who was married to one of the kings of Israel. She led like almost the entire nation astray and into pagan worship and into sexual immorality. And even further into Revelation, we see that this Jezebel is even, even pictured in the harlot. She's pictured as Babylon. Because Babylon, or the harlot, was the symbol of sexual immorality. Or is going to be even the sexual immorality. And that's why so many people have tried to look at, well, what's the Babylon of, the, of Revelation going to be in our time now? Trying to figure out, well, what's the Babylon? Is it going to be the actual Babylon that we know of today, which is modern-day Iraq? Or is it something else? They say, it's, they say that they can kind of pull out from Scripture that it's going to be a port city. So somewhere like Amsterdam, which is like completely screwed up. You know, or like San Francisco. You know, or China, or any place that we see where... They're a lot like Sodom and Gomorrah, where they kind of allow just whatever. Do what you want. You know, be free. Do your own thing. 
And so people are looking at these things and there's like six different places that they can kind of look at and go, those could be modern day Babylon, or it could just be, it's the entire nation of the U.S., a lot of the world follows after what the U.S. does. And the U.S. extremely immoral. Right? We sacrifice babies every day on the altar of abortion because we're all about being free and doing what we want in America. Which is why so many people got upset over quarantine because, oh man, I can't go out and do what I want. But yay, give us free money. But you can't tell us to stay inside. Right? Isn't this what, what so many of us did? We got ticked that we couldn't, we couldn't go out and do what we wanted, you know, and had to stay in. But then they gave us money and we're like, yeah, give us money. Oh, but we can't go out and actually use it. <laughs> So then we wanted to start spouting off that, oh, you're taking away our rights. It's like, okay, well, would you, do you want to stay home, not get sick? Or do you want to go out, live like an idiot and get sick and then die before you've come to Jesus and repentance? Hmm. I know me, I'd rather come to Jesus and be repentant and then live in eternity, which is far more, far more fulfilling. Instead of living, yeah, but you're not supposed to come to Jesus and then go live the way you want to live. That's kind of the whole point of what we're talking about. <laughs> Dork. Oh man. Well, I mean. I mean, come on, Let's, now get how funny this is of what we were just talking about and now how we just made that, that little joke there. It says, look, I will throw her into a sickbed. Huh. Jeez, I wonder what we're all experiencing in the world today. <laughs> Man, what's this COVID thing? Oh yeah, it puts you in bed and you die. <laughs> Not everyone, but... There was, there's a lot of people who have died. Yeah, and it could yeah. still get worse. Yeah. You know, granted, we know that some of the other viruses in the world have killed far more people and still do today. But because we've lived with them for so long and because they haven't been as rapidly growing, we're not as concerned anymore because, oh, we have vaccines for the one for the flu that happened last year, not the one that's going to happen this year because we don't know what it's going to do. This is why vaccines are kind of dumb. They don't always work. But I digress. <sighs> but still, I mean, think about it. The world today lives in such immorality, even within the church, of people who claim to be followers of Jesus, and we're expecting there not to be any circumstances? You know, it's like AIDS and HIV. That skyrocketed in the last in the last like couple decades, right? It's okay, you know. And why is that? Because of illicit sex in all its forms. 
You know, most people would try to blame homosexual sex, but I'm definitely sure it's because of all illicit sex. That's why we've seen an uptick in so many different diseases. It's crazy because we believe that we can just live these ways, doing these things all we want and not suffer any kind of consequence. Well, gee, exactly. You know, the kingdom of darkness has done a really good job of deceiving the world. That's why God is trying to use people like us to reach into that darkness and pull as many people out as possible. So that's what we're called to do as believers, right? Go into all the world, every nation, every tongue, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Instead, most Christians sit passively in a pew, letting the preacher do everything. That almost rhymed. I love the smile I'm getting over here. I don't know if it's because I'm being funny or if because he likes what I'm saying. Okay, throw out an amen here and there, man. Make me let me know that I'm I'm doing okay here. <laughs> like if you think I'm saying something wrong, I want you to speak up. For reals. Like I am not afraid of you guys speaking up. Okay. <laughs> you know, so he's he's like, look, and if you continue to follow her you're going to suffer affliction also, which is what we see today. All kinds of affliction. You know, and I honestly believe that somebody who claims Christ that lives this way, their affliction is going to be far worse. Because not only have they deceived themselves into believing that they are saved and that they can live how they want, but they're also slapping Jesus' forgiveness and saying, I don't care. It's like just honoring God. Exactly. And it is. It really is. Well, Jesus says, unless, I love the unless, unless they repent of their works. But earlier he says, I gave her time. I've given them time to repent. I, gave, I wrote a little note here. And I wrote it so small so it would fit. But it says that, look, she was given time to repent, meaning that there is, there is a timetable on repentance. So, right? Jesus is saying, and even further into what some of the things that take place through Revelation in the end times or in the tribulation, throughout it, Jesus says that, you know what, it's because I'm trying to get people to repent, but these people won't. All the wrath, all the destruction, it's all designed to cause people to come to repentance. Instead, they decide to harden their hearts against God and not repent, which is exactly what happens here. They are given time, just like we are. We're given until our final breath to repent and turn to Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to live the way we want all the way up until our deathbed and then come to Jesus. Honestly, I think that's fake and a cop-out. But at the same time, do I believe that that happens? Yes. I think that some people, when they, 
are this close to death, they start to realize there's something more. Because as we learned from Craig not too long ago, eternity is within us. We know we were not meant to die. We know it. So something, when we're about to die, tells us you need to get right. Even now, something inside us tells us, get right. Get right. Follow me, is what Jesus is saying to us. Turn to me. Lay down your life. Let me live it for you. Because only in me can you have victory and be an overcomer and conqueror, which is what he has called us to be. So he wants them to repent. Now, this striking her children dead thing, I'm not 100% sure if that was a literal. He is going to take these, the children she has from, from her. I mean, now we know that babies, they do not understand sin. They do not understand evil. So they don't know that they're doing sin. Like, my kids... My one and two-year-old, they do not understand sin. And so if one of them were to pass, I firmly believe they would go to be with Jesus. And that's what I think. If he were to take these children from her, it would be taking them to him. Because he is their creator. And he wants them. He doesn't want them to grow up in this system of filth. Which is why we're called, as men, to raise our children in the truth of the Lord. We're not supposed to let them run amok and do whatever they want. Eventually, yes, they're going to make their own decisions. But if we instill within them the things of God and show them and model to them exactly how you're supposed to follow Christ, well then, more than likely, they'll continue to follow Jesus throughout the rest of their lives. And even as long as you're still here, if you see them starting to veer off, it doesn't matter if they're 50 and you're 80. You can bring them back in love. So that's what Jesus does here. He rebukes them in love. He's saying, look, you guys have allowed this. Some of you have given in to this. I want you to come out of it. Because I love you. And I want you to be with me. I want you to serve me. I want to be able to give you and share with you the glory that God has given me. Right? How amazing is that? Jesus wants to share with us. He wants to empower us to rule over the nations in that thousand-year reign of Christ. Some people don't believe that we'll actually get to rule with Him, but that's exactly what the Scripture tells us, that we will get to rule and reign with Christ. It's pretty freaking awesome. I look forward to it. You know, so he goes on. He says, to the rest of you, 
who have not given into the sexual immorality, who have not followed the things of this person or of this system, because you have not given yourself over to false doctrine and to false teachers and to sexual immorality, I don't place a burden on you. Other than to faithfully endure in your faith for me. To not wander away. To not give yourself to these things that these other people have. And to live in such a way that might actually bring them out of it and cause them to repent. It's the same thing Jesus calls each and every one of us to do. Not only do we go into the world to make disciples, but we're supposed to live lives that are faithful, enduring to the end. This is a theme that will not die out from any message you ever hear from me, nor is it a message that will ever not be spoken about when you read through Revelation. Enduring in the faith is one of the number one teachings of Jesus. And that's part of the reason he's given us this revelation, so that we will not be in the dark when things start to happen. But when things start to happen, we can start watching for him. Because he even said in Matthew 24, 25, he says, when you see these things beginning, look to the sky. So I'll be coming. We're supposed to be watching for Jesus right now. Do I think that we're in the tribulation period? No, not yet. But it's coming. It's coming. I firmly believe it's coming. And I really, really hope in my lifetime, and even some people who are a little bit wiser than me have said that it's going to happen probably in my lifetime. But we don't know for sure. But either way, we're supposed to live every day as though Jesus is going to come back tomorrow or if he'll come back in the next five seconds. This is why we're supposed to live righteously and in his victory as conquerors and overcomers in Christ. And those people who do conquer and overcome will get to reign with him. You know, when we read the part that it says, and he will rule them with a rod of, with an iron scepter, he will shatter them like potters. This is something that is described of Jesus in Psalm 2. The only reason I know that is because it says it here. Um, you know, but actually, let's go ahead. Let me go find it. Because now I just want to read it. Nope, 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 nope. Too far. I did not plan to read this, but in Psalm 2, verse 9, which is where this is pointing back to, you will break them with an iron scepter. You will shatter them like pottery. This is a description of what God is going to do in the world. And he gives that power to Jesus. Jesus is the one who judges the nations. At the great white throne judgment, it's Jesus standing there. And either you're going to be on his left side or on his right side. And we need to be living for being on his right side. Because on those on the right side, he says, well done, good and faithful servants. 
enter into my rest. Those on the left side says, depart from me. I never knew you. Into the lake of fire. Eternal separation and torment. That's why we need to endure and live in our faith for Jesus. That's why we need to live it boldly and out loud. For me, I shouldn't only be, be being bold and loud when I'm in here. I should be doing it when I'm out there. I should be doing it when I'm out there. I should be doing it when I'm at home. It doesn't matter where I am. I should be bold in my faith and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Making disciples. We are a kingdom of priests to God. It means we are God's servants. And we do what he has asked us to do, and that is live righteously, make disciples, have faith, let the Spirit rule and reign through you so that you can live in the works that he has prepared. The good works he's prepared for us to do them. How awesome is it that we actually get to do these works on the behalf of Jesus? That's awesome. You know, and this power that he allows us to join him in is from God. Because Jesus in his earthly ministry, what did he say? I and the Father are one, but I don't do anything that my Father hasn't told me to do. Everything I do is from the Father, is what he says. Well, if it's from the Father, well, and the Father gives him the power to do it, even though Jesus is God, but in his human form, you know, he didn't hold to his full divinity. He kind of suppressed some of it because he could. You know, so he, he, still, he still goes after what, hey, God's in charge. Even though I'm God, I'm still in this flesh and means I can be corrupted. But because I'm living by what he has called me to do, I will not be corrupted. And so we need to live that way. We need to live by the work and power of God. And we can only do that if we're willing, if we're willing ourselves to the Spirit's work, who sanctifies us every day. Every day. Every day we have a choice. Live for ourselves. Live by the power of the Spirit. I know which one I would rather do, but I don't always do. I'd rather live out my faith by the power of the Spirit. But there are those days, right? You just want to do your own thing. You want to close this book and go, I'm good today, God. I got this. He says, don't do that. Daily, turn your life to me. Jesus calls us daily to die to ourselves. Take up your cross and follow him. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. If you don't follow him, is he really your shepherd? If you don't live in your faith and by the power of the Spirit, 
Are you really a conqueror who has ears to hear what he is saying? Every day we should be dropping to our knees and laying on our face, crying out to Jesus so that we can live for him and live by him. So that we can take part in what he has for us. But here, yeah, still, one thing you will learn as you grow in faith, that's when the kingdom of darkness is really going to come at you. And do everything they can to trip you up. And do everything that the kingdom of darkness can to scare you so you won't live in faith. So that you won't live out boldly for Jesus. Trust me. It doesn't get easier. It gets harder, but that is for a reason. So that our faith can be emboldened more and more and more. The more we see trials coming our way, the more we can cling to Jesus. The morning star, that's just, it's Jesus. So the morning star is supposed to be Jesus in full glory because it says that Jesus being a light. Well, if he were to shine his full glory, we'd probably melt. <laughs> you know, but at some point in the new heaven and new earth, this is going to be Jesus in full glory. Because it says we don't even need a sun anymore because. Jesus shines so brightly, we don't need it. It's going to be awesome, let me tell you. So, just a couple questions for us to kind of think on. What sins are you being tolerant of? And yeah, I'm going to use the word tolerant because that's what we're doing. We're being tolerant. We're being tolerant of things. You know, people don't like the word tolerant or intolerant. You know, Christians are intolerant bigots. Slap those people. Because we're not. We're being biblically faithful to what it says here. That's not intolerant. <laughs> but what sin, what sin in your life are you being tolerant of? What one are you clinging to that you don't want to get rid of? That you don't want to repent of? You know? I mean, you don't have to answer just... Think about it to yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they could be all over the map, right? Yeah. We can have these small little sins that we like to hold on to, you know, or, you know, like I've told you guys before, for me, it's lust. And Instagram makes that very easy. You know, shoot, the internet in your pocket just makes it so easy to go and be lustful, you know? But I have to remember that I can't hide that from from God. He knows. Why? Because he's in me. His spirit has indwelt me. It says his, his spirit indwells every believer. There's nothing God doesn't know. Yeah. So think about that one. You know, what is that sin that you're kind of tolerating? Or even... If there's not one, because granted, there are those people that they don't have that pet. They don't have pet sins. They have actually managed to conquer over their sins in their life. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't 
still sin, it means that, you know, they realize the ones that they were trying to hold on to, and they finally repented of them fully, realizing that Jesus already given victory over it. How? How do we daily submit to Christ? Like, think about that one. And that's one that I would actually say, write it down and look at it every day. How do I submit to you today, Lord? And then ask him. And on that, let's pray. Dear Lord, would you please open our hearts and minds so that we can know and understand those things that are sinful within us, that we are tolerating, that we are holding on to and not repenting of. Lord, would you destroy those things in our lives? Lord, would you help us to know how we can submit to you daily, how we can lay down our lives and give ourselves over to you, taking up our cross and following you, Lord, so that we can live boldly in the victory that you've already given us through the power of the Spirit. Lord, would you lead us and guide us? Lord, please do amazing works in our lives by your Spirit, Lord. Let the sanctification just sink deep, Lord, and pull out the stuff that shouldn't be there. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We thank you for this food we're about to eat. Would it bless us and nourish us? And Lord, we praise you in your name. Amen.